The females get frantic about trying to mate. Bert winced at this word. With any uninfected males who will have them, and also start producing more of these spores or eggs for the inquisitive sucker to pick up. What about the men? Bert said. Richard looked startled for the first time. You mean you haven't seen the nest? An oily dread seeped into Bert's veins. What nest? Oh, Lord, so you haven't seen what the infected people become, either. They become strange, I know that much. They're acting like they're stoned the whole time. I'm not talking about how they act. I'm talking about a full physical transmogrification. They look different, you mean? Wait, I should keep all this in order, or we're going to get confused. The first person infected effectively becomes the king or queen of the race on the new planet. They keep their human form for a few days, infecting as many people as they can in whatever way they can. All the subsequent men that are infected are drawn to a nest site and start constructing underground tunnels. These tunnels are easy to spot from the air because they have a kind of silver funnel at the entrance. We think this is where the spores are fired from, although we've never waited long enough to find out for sure. So, these infected men, what do they... Something hit the van with enough force to rattle its windows and rocket on its specially engineered suspension. A sound followed, one that confused Bert's ears because they could find no frame of reference for comparison. It was, he thought in that instant, how a newborn child must feel as it took its first gulp of air. Several gunshots rang out, and a muffled voice said, "'Hold your fire, you idiots! The boss is in there!' Richard leapt up and ripped open the van door. It clanged against its hinges as he jumped onto the road with Bert in close pursuit. Richard drew his weapon, but put his back flat against the driver's side door, peeking through the window. That weird, ululating noise started up again, like someone dragging their hands across a lacquered table, only as it would be heard underwater. Yet even that did not go close to describing the sound. One might as well have tried to describe a color. What is it? Bert said, tucked in behind Richard with his own gun drawn. One of them. Bert dropped into a crouch, and with due care, got on his hands and knees. He peered under the van, which sat high off the road. He saw one of Richard's agents lying on his side, his sunglasses smashed and twisted, and half his face torn off. His left arm had been wrenched up and back with such force that it now almost touched his right shoulder. Just in front of the unlucky agent, Bert saw what looked like two thick steel poles tilted at a gradual angle. But these poles were polished to an impossible sheen, almost liquid in their smoothness, and featured two cruel barbs that protruded like spurs on old-time cowboy boots. "'Get your men clear, Richard,' Bert said. Richard looked down. "'Can you see it? Just get them clear.' "'Fall back!' Richard yelled upwards, so he could be heard clearly over the van. "'All of you, get clear of the road!' Shoes, some sturdy army issue, some business, all polished, backed away towards the grassy banks. Bert lay flat on his side and brought his gun to bear on one of those strange steel poles. Although his target could not have been more than six or seven feet away, he closed one eye to perfect his aim. 
Before this moment he had fired on nothing but tin cans out the back of the station and effigies at the Academy Range in Denver. When he thought his hands were steady, he squeezed off a single round. A hundred things seemed to happen in the gun's split-second roar. A huge, bowing dent appeared in the pole, and a wild, alien scream followed. Bert's ears heard the scream, but didn't know what to do with it. From the right came a dull thud and a hiss, and then one back corner of the van started to sink toward the road. Bert had time to register that his ricocheting bullet must have punctured the tire before the rest of the thing attached to that buckled pole fell over and hit the road with the clang of an iron girder and the thump of a potato sack.